Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Week one, we started talking about the greatest marriages in the world are two servants in love. Uh, we, we shared along those lines. Week two, we talked about the four basic needs of a man and the four basic needs of a woman. And each of those four, there's one mega need. And again, if you missed any of these, you can, you can get the podcast. Uh, you can go to yourplacechurch.com. You can download it there. If you subscribe to us on YouTunes, it, it'll come to your phone automatically. Last week, Nathan taught on, you know, because he is a resident expert in the, in the area of marriage. He's been married 11 months, right? 11 months. And so he's, he's written a few things down that he's learning as a newlywed. So he did a great job last week. And today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of come up a different side of the mountain. Um, excited about this. Two weeks ago, we actually, I started a conversation about the love languages. And uh, I didn't have time to really get into the love languages. And you would be surprised how many people caught me in the foyer after that service and said, no, 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 we kind of wanted to know about the love languages. Like, you, you started about it, but you didn't really share or talk about it. So today, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about the five love languages. And uh, we're going to look at these almost every single time we talk to couples. And we, we will ask them the question, what is your love language and what is your spouse's love language? It's just a part of our conversation. And eight times out of ten, the response that we get is, my what? Or her, her what? I'll tell you what her love language is, you know, and it's not awesome. Anyway, so um, here's the thing. They don't, they don't understand or know what their love language is. And so basically a love language is how do they feel loved? <clears throat> well, she hasn't felt loved in about 10 years because 10 years is about when everything stopped, if you know what I mean. So if you're talk, I'm not talking about the ooey-gooey kind of love. That's not what, that's what we're talking about. Everybody assumes that love language is, is the ooey-gooey, that ooey-gooey feeling of being in love, which scientifically, scientifically speaking, only lasts about two years. The ooey-gooey feeling only lasts about two years. For some, it's a little more, and some, it's a little less, unless you understand their love language. Because if you understand your spouse's love language and you begin to speak your spouse's love language, that ooey-gooey feeling can last forever. Are you with me, friends? I underestimated how important the five love languages are, and most of us do. And those five love languages are simply this. It's, it's words of affirmation. It's acts of service. Okay, so words of affirmation, you look good in those jeans, right? Words of affirmation. Acts of service, cooking meals, mowing the grass, vacuuming. These are the actions, speak louder than words type people. Gifts, pretty self-explanatory. You buy something, hand it to them, or, or make something and hand, hand it to them. Quality time, giving your undivided attention, and that's not watching TV. It's undivided attention, and it's physical touch. This is why we pick up babies. Long before a baby understands what love is, they feel love physical touch, right? And so I can break it down a little bit easier for you. So acts of service is I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want anything? Okay. Acts of service. Uh, quality time. 
do you want to go to Starbucks with me, okay? Uh, uh, words of affirmation, I love you like I love Starbucks, all right? So, like, we understand that now, right? Gifts, hey, I got you something from Starbucks. Oh, thank you, okay? Physical touch, um, there's nothing quite like holding a perfect cup of coffee at Starbucks. Like, like these, are, these are ways to help you understand the five love languages. Now, listen, friends. If you will give me one more weekend of just practical concepts about marriage, I promise, next weekend we will go a little bit deeper on the spiritual side of things. Let's just be, faith, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Most marriages fell in the practicals, not the spirituals. Are you with me, friends? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't pray your way through, you know, selfishness, but let's just, let's just be honest. If you're selfish, you need to just not be selfish anymore. You're not going to fast your way into him picking up the socks, right? He's just going to have to pick up the socks, and you're just going to have to be patient, and there's some practicals with that. Now, I'm not saying prayer won't help in those areas, but it's the practical approaches that most marriages are struggling in. So let's, let's look at this today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And again, we thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding. And Lord, we want to look into your word and we want to see some things through your word today. And Lord, teach us. Teach us along the lines of these five love languages. Help us to identify what ours is and potentially the love languages of those around us. Because God, this doesn't just apply to our spouse. This applies to our kids, to our parents, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, Father. If we can see people through the lens of their love language, it'll help us build relationships with them. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a lot of people may say, may say well, the Bible doesn't really spell out the five love languages. And it doesn't spell them out, but you definitely can see them in the Bible. Now, you can see love and respect. Like, we talked about that in Ephesians a couple of weeks ago. Like, it spells it out. Like, give the man respect, and you should love that woman. But when you go to the, the book of Song of Solomon, it seems to be the go-to, you know, life lessons book on marriage. Solomon, we can see, was definitely a words of affirmation type person. And we'll see that in, in, in Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Look what he's doing. He's complimenting her, right? Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a, a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. This is sweet talk. He's sweet talking here, right? This is words of affirmation. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just sworn. She's got straight teeth. Okay, great. Awesome. Coming up from the washing, each has its twin and not one of them is alone. Now, here, what he's doing, is, I'm, I'm suspecting that Solomon is a words of affirmation person, and so he is actually speaking from his love language, not necessarily knowing what her love language is. We see her love language in chapter 5, verse 2. It's at the end of the day. We don't know where he is, but he's not there. Uh, chapter 5, verse 2, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Okay, so he's, he's come home, he's knocking on her, her bedchamber's door. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with dampness of the night. Well, we read her response. Uh, I've taken off my robe. 
must I put it on again? She's getting a little snarky with him right here, right? She's, getting, she's a little disappointed that, that I'm, I'm assuming she was a quality time type person. She wanted to spend some time with him, and he's been gone. I don't know if he's been at work. I don't know if he's been out with the fellas, but her love tank is a little bit empty here. And so her response is a little bit snarky. I've taken off my robe. Do I have to put it on again? Uh, I, I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? right, to get out of bed and come unlock the door for you to spend time with me. Oh, now you're ready to spend time with me, right? That's, that's what we kind of pick up here. Verse 6, though, her desire for quality time takes over, like it kicks in. She, she ran to the door after, it's been a few minutes, I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left and he was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called, I called him, but he did not answer. Again, you can see where she was like, okay, fine. I'm, I, I just want to spend time with him. Goes to the door. Well, he left. He was like, ah, I did something wrong. I'm going to go pick some flowers. Maybe she'll be better in the morning, right? But we see the love languages in Scripture. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. And he's a Christian man. He's, uh, he's done over 30 years of research over 30 years of counseling with couples, and he's the one that just, he says these five love languages just arise out of the midst of conversations when you talk with couples. Now, here's what you need to know, and this is what Dr. Chapman says in the book. Everyone has a primary love language. Now, we love all of them, right? Who doesn't want a gift, okay? But not all of them make you feel love. Not all of them feel your love tank, if you will. You have a primary one, and you have a secondary one. Now, why is this even a big deal? Like, why do we need to understand that? Well, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. There's no fear of you leaving me. There's no fear of us drifting apart. There's no fear of us going without, which again meets that need for security in a woman. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. No one who fears uh, is made perfect in love. Most people, if they have not studied their spouse, or their son, or their daughter, or their parents, or whatever. If you have not taken the time to study them, to look at them, to notice what they like, then you will naturally speak your own love language. It's just what happens. I'm a words of affirmation person. And so, and again, your love tank is not huge, okay? About the size of your heart, okay? Your love tank is not huge. It's not like you have to do a whole bunch to feel your spouse's love tank. But if I'm a words of affirmation person, which I am, and I, like Solomon, use my words of affirmation and try to fill up Tyra's love tank, what happens is, is it just kind of rolls off the side. It doesn't really fill her love tank. It, I'm not saying she doesn't appreciate those words, but it's not filling her love tank. What we've got to do is we've got to understand how to speak their love language. That way, when we're exerting this energy, okay, this, 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 this love language understanding, when you do it, it actually fills up their love tank. It fills them up. This is how people feel love when you understand 
these five love languages. Does this make sense, friends? We have to learn how to speak the language. And some people are like, well, words, I didn't grow up with words of affirmation. It, it just doesn't come easy to me. It's, it's, it's going to take you some effort. I mean, if you were going to learn a foreign language, it would take you some effort. You would have to spend some time getting to know the language. It's the same way. Let me help you. If, if words of affirmation are not something you're comfortable with and your spouse is a words of affirmation person, just walk into the room, say something nice, and run. Okay, just run. Just run out of the room and watch what happens. The next time you have an interaction with them, it, it, it will be as though their love tank is just a little bit fuller. If you can look through the lens of the, of the love languages, if you can look through the lens, all of the people you love, if you can look through the, this lens, it will help you with your relationship. I know that my son Taylor is a words of affirmation person. And because I know that, then I'm very, I'm very specific in recognizing when he, when he makes achievements. I speak to his love language. And it's not in a manipulative way. Are you with me? I'm not going to just tell him how awesome he is because I want him to do something for me. I want to tell him how awesome he is because I love him. Does that make sense? My daughter is quality time and effectual touch. And I, it, it, I don't know why. Before I understood the love languages, I never understood how come she would always run and crawl up in my lap. And you're like, well, that's just because she's your little girl. Maybe. But what I've realized is, is she, would, she would always, she would always, even as a little girl, to this day, she's married. And if I'm sitting there, she will crawl up in my lap and throw her arms around me. Why? She's, it, she's effectual touch. She, t when, she, when she gets attention, when she gets touch from her dad and now her husband, it fills her love tank. It took me a little bit to figure that out. I am not an effectual touch person. So I don't speak effectual touch very fluently, okay? And so when she would crawl up in my lap, it just felt clingy to me. You know what I mean? I'm like, girl, give me some space. What are you doing? I did not realize what she was wanting from me in those young years was she was just wanting love. Does this make sense, friends? So let's talk about these in some detail. And my hope is today is that you will look at your spouse, your kids, your parents, or whatever, through the lens of what their love language possibly may be. The first one I'm going to just tackle is words of affirmation. If your primary love language is words of affirmation, then your spouse's appreciation and love are best affirmed through words. Just, just tell me something, right? Just, just point it out. You feel love when your spouse tells you how attractive you look, or when they, are, when they tell you how proud they are after you've accomplished something. Now, here's an interesting thing about this love language because it happens to be mine. The flip side of this for people that this is their primary love language, insults or negative comments tend to cut a little deeper when you're a words of affirmation person. This, I, I always wondered, how come, how come I tend to overreact when someone criticizes me? If someone comes up and says, I think you could have handled that hard conversation better, I'm like, oh. You know, if I, if I walk out of a series or a service on the weekend and, and someone says, I just didn't understand this point. Like for a words of affirmation person, it actually cuts us just a little bit deeper. 
because we are, because, I mean, essentially, what's happening in that moment is we're, is we're, is we're emptying our love tank when people criticize us. Now, that doesn't mean you can't criticize us. Words of affirmation people have learned how to take criticism. My wife knows this about me. She's a master critiquer. She's a master critiquer of me. She's learned the, the, the sandwich rule. You know what I mean? You know what a sandwich is? You, you, put, you say something good up front, right? The meat comes in in the middle, right? Like this is something you could have changed. And then she finishes the sandwich with something good. Like you're awesome, you stunk at this, but you're still awesome, right? That's, that's, that's how she's learned to deal with the words of affirmation husband. It's important that you regularly tell them how much you care. So the whole phrase, well, they should just know how much I love them. I shouldn't have to say it to them so much. Actually, for a words of affirmation person, you do. You do have to point those things out because, again, it's how they feel loved. When people come up to me and they're like, hey, great service, pastor. Like, that works, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy. And, and here's what's happened. I've said this now enough over the last few years that people come up just to, just to compliment me. Hey, great service. Thanks. And, it, and I'm not saying it doesn't do stuff for me, but when you come up to me and you tell me exactly what I said in a service and how it applies to your life or what God spoke to you during that service, my love tank fills up. Like, I feel accomplished. Does that make sense, friends? It's, it's, it is, it's just who I am, right? Um, people whose primary love language is words of affirmation care most about the intentions and the emotions behind those words. So if this is your spouse's love language, don't fake it because they'll, they'll, they'll sniff right through that, okay? They, they want you to be real. They want you to be you. And if you're, not, if you're not the best at expressing your emotions through words, now may be a, best, a, a pretty good time to start practicing, especially if your spouse has the words of affirmation as their primary love language. Examples of these would be, you're doing such a great job. I'm really proud of you. Um, wow, you look so good. I really love that new outfit. It looks great on you. This one works for me. You're the sexiest man alive. I'm just saying. <laughs> It just works for me. I don't know. I'm a words of affirmation person. And, and, you know, a lot of, and I hate that I'm a words person because I feel like it's so shallow. I have to be told how awesome I am. It just seems shallow, right? And so if she goes weeks and doesn't tell me how awesome I am, I begin to feel distant from her. And people are like, well, you should change that one. I can't. Okay, all right. The second one is simply this. It's acts of service. There's five. We're on two. These are the actions speak louder than words type people. Uh, you, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk type people? These are acts of service type people. People whose primary love language is acts of service. Feel your adoration by the things that you do for them. Things that you do. Uh, it could be mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, getting up in the middle of the night and taking care of the little one and letting you sleep. Anything that, that can make your spouse feel appreciated or help make their life easier. This is an act of service. Now, there's an interesting caveat about the acts of service love language and one that may not seem fair to everybody who this isn't their love language. 
And it's simply this. The most powerful acts are those that are done spontaneously or without asking. In other words, acts that supersede my expectations. At the Rain's house, okay, so Tyra's secondary love language is acts of service. Okay, her first is quality time. Her second is acts of service. And I know this about her. And so I go out, and she enjoys the lawn to be mowed, okay? But she does not mow the lawn, all right? It's just not something she's into. It's not what she, I don't know that, have you ever mowed a lawn? Maybe? Okay. All right. Anyway, so, so I go out and I mow the lawn. Now, it's just what I do because it's, you know, it just has to be done. Otherwise, the neighbors call the city and I get little notes on my, not that that's ever happened. But anyway, uh, I just mow the lawn. Now, it's not fair to me because I am, this is an act of service. I know she loves the lawn to be mowed, but she just kind of expects me to mow the lawn, right? So this does not fill her love tank, which is unfair. It's unfair. I am doing a service for you, right? But she's like, no, no, no. You're the man. You just mow the lawn, right? And so it does not count. Now, last Friday on our date day, which date day is a holy, holy day at the Rain's house. Like on Fridays, it is me and her. We typically jump in the car. We drive to Tulsa. We eat someplace I want to eat at. We, I, I fill her quality tank, uh, a quality, quality time love tank. And uh, like we just enjoy each other, right? Well, last Friday, I know that this, her pet project at our house has been this little fishing dock that we have, right? And she wants it painted. And it's been an on, we started it in like July, and it's still this ongoing process. And so last Friday, I decided instead of going on a date, why don't we just have a date at the dock, and I will help you paint. I don't paint. I told her years ago, I don't paint. I don't want to paint. I may know how to paint, but I don't enjoy painting. But I knew this was a big deal because there were like spiders up in the dock. And I, she wanted me to knock all the spiders out. And so because it was my idea, it was spontaneous. Oh, buddy. I mean, it splashed out because it was spontaneous and it was my idea. She didn't ask to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. The things that are spontaneous or unique, like, like most languages, it doesn't have to be something grand. It doesn't have to be something huge. It's these little gestures. Making breakfast or lunch or dinner, if that, your spouse is typically the one that does it. Cleaning their car, filling their gas tank up, you know, if they normally do that. Um, taking the kids for a, a night or, a, or an extended period of time and just leaving them at home to, to rest and have some downtime. Taking out the trash. Picking up your socks or underwear off the floor. Every woman in the room just became acts of service as their love language, right? That's what it means. Number three is receiving gifts receiving gifts. It seems self-explanatory, doesn't it? Well, you get me something that fills my love language. It means that you feel love from all of those small little presents that your spouse gets you. doesn't mean you have to buy them a new car. It's the small little gestures. Now, many people assume receiving gifts is just materialistic, and it's all about the items. It's not true. 
It's not true. Receiving gifts is, is like this. They see a picture, you know, the, the phrase, a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, in some respects, it can be said of those little items that, that you get your spouse. One gift may make a statement. Like, for instance, if you guys are in a, um, in a convenience store and you come across a candy bar that he had when he was young and he talked about, oh, man, that used to be my favorite candy bar. And he, you know that that candy bar, when he was little, like brought back emotions, fun emotions from his childhood. And then, a, you know, a week or so later, you buy him this little candy bar with a, with a note attached to it saying, you know, I knew this was special. I wanted to get one for you. Like that fills his love tank. If your spouse's primary love language is receiving gifts, remember that it's not all about the items. It's about showing them the effort and proving that you're thinking of them, you're listening to them, and you care about them. The fourth one is quality time. Quality time. Quality time might be the easiest language to understand, but it can also be one of the easiest to misinterpret. Like, you, can't, you don't just sit and watch TV together and assume you're filling your spouse's love tank. That's not what it is. Quality time, they feel the love the most when you spend time with them. Because quality time is way more than just time. It's actually attention. It could probably be more accurately defined as quality attention. That's what quality time is. It's quality attention. But that just doesn't sound as good. So if you want to show your spouse some love and their love language is quality time, just remember the three B's, okay? Three B's. I'm about to help you if your spouse is quality time, if your kid is quality time, your parents are quality time. Be deliberate with your time. Like, be deliberate. Individuals whose primary love language is quality time appreciate the effort and the determination that you place into the time together. <clears throat> Excuse me. In other words, it's dedicated time, it's pre-planned time, and your spouse feels like this is their time. No outside distractions. This is quality time. It shows that you're thinking of them, that you want to give them their own special time. Um, a couple years ago, I, had, I, I went on this crazy little whim, and I, I, I booked us a, a, a room downtown Tulsa. I didn't tell her about it. I packed her a bag. I packed me a bag. Um, we, I picked her up. I don't remember where she was, but I got her in the car. We drove to Tulsa. She thought it was just Friday night as normal, right? We're just going gonna to eat someplace fun, then we're going to go home. Then I pulled into the, the parking lot of the hotel. I got out. I popped the, the, the hatchback. I grabbed our suitcases, and I started to walk in. She's like, what are we, what are you, what are, what's going on? What are we doing? And I'm like, just follow me. And we got, we, we walked in, I checked in, and in her suitcase, I brought her a, a black dress, and I brought my suit, and I had tickets for the theater, right? And this was just time that we invested each other. The whole night was her. I left my phone on silent in the car. Does that make sense? And a lot of people are like, well, I can't afford to do that. You know what fills her love tank just as much? When I walked up and I said, hey, let's just go for a walk around the block, and I leave my phone at the house. She knows that this is just time with just me and her, and it fills her love tank. 
It's not these grandiose uh, expenditures, those count, but it's also the quiet walks around the block. Be, number two, so, so be, be deliberate. Number two, be present. Be present. So you spend time planning something special and then you're on your phone the entire time? It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. you got to be present. <clears throat> Remember, more than the time, it's the attention is what they want the most. It's what's most important. If you're skimming your phone, if you're skimming your text messages or on social media or, or flipping through the channels, it doesn't work. It's quality attention. Remember? That's what it is. Quality time means putting away your phone, clearing your brain of anything distracting so you can ensure that your spouse is your number one focus. So be deliberate, right? Be present and then be affectionate, specifically to your spouse. You planned this killer night together, check. You turned your phone off and you're totally ready for some one-on-one -on -one time, check. Now what? Be affectionate. Show your spouse that you love them. Be playful. Be, be, be present. Like, be fun. Be affectionate. That attention will go a long, long way to filling their tank. Does this make, sen make sense? Okay. I keep asking because I guess I'm looking for a, ooh, that's good. It's probably because I'm a words of affirmation person. Anyway, moving right along. The last one is simply this. We've talked about before, the last one is physical touch. Now, physical touch, love language, is, it, this is not all about hanky-panky, okay? This is actually, um, this, is, this is about all of those non-sexual touches that your spouse is looking for. Physical touch, love language, is more about just the intimacy piece of it. It could be holding hands. It could be um, laying your head on your spouse's shoulder or a simple hug. In some degree or another, we all crave or desire physical touch in our intimate relationships. But for those that this is their primary love language, it's so much more important. Like they will feel distant from you if you don't touch them. You know, maybe it's been a hard day hard couple of weeks, and uh, you feel this void between your spouse, you and your spouse, and you know that that spouse is a physical touch person, and you try to, you try to pour in words of affirmation, and it just rolls off. You try to, you buy them something nice, and it just rolls off. Like, you try all these other love languages when really the only thing they really want you to do is just hold them. They just want to be close to you. They want you to, 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 to hold their hand in the car. They want you to be very specific and focused. This is, again, it works for your kids. Taliana just wanted me to hold her. So listen, look at these through the, look at the five love languages. Your, look at your kids through the lens of the five love languages. Look at your parents through the lens of the five love languages. Even your coworkers, like if you know what their love language is and you're able to speak it, listen, not in a manipulative way, in a way that, that fills their tank, 
you will see that they respond to that. If you or your spouse has physical touch as their primary love language, don't be afraid to talk about it. Like in all of them, have a conversation. Again, mine, I feel like is the most arrogant one there is. You have to tell me how awesome I am. But we, we, talk, we talk about it. And I know if there's been a season when, when life is, is, is chaotic, like things are happening all the time. I mean, we're in a pretty, we're in a pretty fast-paced season right now at, at the church. I mean, we've got this renovation going on. We've got last Wednesday this week. We've got a Created to Help conference this weekend. Three more services on Sunday. We're going into another season um, of a series that I feel like is going to even take us deeper, like God is doing some stuff. I just traveled last week to do an on-site. I was in uh, Tahlequah the weekend before that, coaching another church. Like, it's a fast season for us. And so because I know quality time is her deal, like, I have to, I have to, fluctuate my schedule a little bit. I have to stay awake at night or get up earlier to spend time with her. Why? Because that is her love language. So here's my dare for all of us this weekend. I double dog dare you. <gasps> have a conversation. In fact, if you're like, I don't even know where to begin, we can help you with that. There's a website called five, the number five, lovelanguages.com. Five lovelanguages.com. Click on it, male or female. Just answer the question. I'm a male. All right. This, it'll ask you a couple of, just kind of, you know, tell me what kind of questions I need to ask you. And then there's a list of, I don't know, 25, 30 questions there, maybe more. And it'll ask you, and you just click, 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 click. And it's not one of those deals where it says, we'll email the results to you, so give us your email address. No, it just, like, they just want to help you. And so they will tell you instantly what your love language is. There's also an app on your phone. Your next date night, take the love languages little survey at dinner. Oh, wait, you don't date? Okay, let's go back. <laughs> take her on a date. The first step to a better relationship, take her out on a date. Take the, the love languages survey and then figure out, ask each other questions. So when I do this, how does that make you feel? So if what you're saying is if I do this, that would actually help? Yeah, it would. And I'm telling you, your relationship will change. Amen, everyone. Next week. Um, I'm coming up the last side of the mountain in our relationship series, and I'm, I'm going to be talking about conflict and resolve. And so this is a big one for a lot of couples. I just feel like we fight. I just feel like we fight, 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 fight. I'm not saying that healthy couples don't fight, but I am saying that healthy couples fight well. And so we're going to talk about that next week. And so be here for it. Obviously, be here for the conference. I think there's a couple of spots. Conference is going to be a holy moment. It's going to be a holy moment. The Lord has already given us direction on what's going to happen in session two of the conference and what's going to happen after that session. And you're going to, you're going to wish you were here if you weren't. And if it's an issue about money, just come have a conversation with us. It's 30 bucks. We try to keep it super, super cheap. Just have a conversation with us because we want to make sure that if you, if you feel like you should be here, that you are there. And we don't want $30 to stop 
to stop you from being a part of what's going to happen this Saturday night. Amen, everyone. Father, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. And Lord, as, as practical of a message as this is, Father, we can still sense the spiritual implications of it. And God, we understand that, that we are physical beings, but we're also spiritual beings. And Father, for some of us in the room, it could be a situation, Father God, where one of us has a closer relationship with you than the other one does. And Father, we don't, we don't want that to be the case with any couple. So, Father, just help me to locate people. I'm not going to embarrass you. Friends, heads bowed, eyes closed. You might be in the room and you say, well, Pastor Darian, I don't, I don't have the relationship with, with God like my spouse does. They're just better at this whole church thing, God thing, Jesus thing than I am. And it may be because you've never invited Jesus to come into your life. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We do this ever so often. We're not, we don't want to embarrass anybody, but we all remember that day that we said yes to Jesus, and that day changed everything for us. So if that's you, heads bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If that's you, I just want to, just want to know who I can pray for. That's it. If that's you, just put your hand up and put it right back down. You say, I need Jesus, or maybe you once had a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I once had a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. But I've walked away from Jesus, and today I need to rededicate my life. I need, to, I need to come back into a relationship with Jesus. It's not that Jesus walked away from you. You just walked away from him. And anything's possible. Pace of life, season of life, whatever. And you're just, it just, he just was no longer an important person in your life. And today you want to rededicate your life. Anybody else like that that we can pray for? I knew that this was going to be special, so I just I wanted to pause and take this moment. Anybody else like that I can pray with you? <clears throat> then this is how we're going to do this. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. And so we're going to pray a prayer out loud. We're all going to pray it out loud together because it's important for those who lifted their hands or maybe should have lifted their hands but didn't, that their ears hear their mouth say these words. So everybody say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And right now, Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to make me a brand new person. I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.